0: All right, we have a special guest. We have Ari Bargel. Welcome to the show, first of all. Thank you for having me, Jason. So Ari, you, are, you work for the Institute for Justice, www.ij.org.
1: That's right. The Institute for Justice is a, a national nonprofit uh, public interest law firm. Uh, we litigate cases in four core areas, uh, and I suspect I'm here to talk today about uh, free speech, which is one of those.
0: Free speech. Yeah. What an interesting topic. And, you know, this is still very much a CrossFit podcast. So people that are like, OK, tuning out. No, no, no. We're about to dive into <laughs> some, some heavy CrossFit stuff. But let me ask you this question. Are your parents disappointed? You go to law school for all these years and here you are working for a nonprofit.
1: Um, they say they're proud of me.
0: <laughs> but I, I, I hear that a lot from my parents as well. Oh, you wrote a book. Cool. Are you going to get a real job? <laughs> <You know. laughs> So, but it's probably something you're very passionate about, you're very proud about. I mean, you're wearing a shirt, you got a background there, you got a face tattoo with Institute for Justice. <laughs> it, is, it is
1: something I'm passionate about. Uh, and uh, although I, you know, you joke that, uh, you know, are, are my parents disappointed in me? Um, I like to think we do some pretty, you know, important stuff um at at ij and you know i know we're going to talk about a lot of it but uh, one of those things hopefully is uh, making it um, easier for people to communicate ideas about about nutrition and health
0: right so i'd never even thought about it from the perspective of hey this is this really should fall under our first amendment rights and Um, and let's give a quick backstory. correct me if i'm wrong on on any of these uh, data points that i'm gonna say you know you travel around the country 50 states for some reason, nutrition and dietary guidelines are are a state by state um, governed issue. Meaning, you know, the the rules in New York are different than Colorado, which are different than Florida. Some are very lenient, and like, hey, that homeless dude down the road can give out as much nutrition advice as he wants. And then some states, like Florida, one of the tougher ones, is like, hey, I don't care if you run an affiliate. You've taken Precision Nutrition. You you've taken the nutrition course. You cannot say anything unless you have, you know, these credentials behind your name. Is that a pretty good summary of it?
1: I think you encapsulated it perfectly. I don't have too much to add to that except to say, um, you know, this is particularly problematic for people who, like our our client in our our case that we'll talk about, who's a military spouse and who has moved from one state to the other, Our, our client, Heather Del Castillo, originally was running a very, very similar business, if not an identical business, in California, uh, where it wasn't uh, regulated in the same way that it's regulated in the state of Florida. She moves to Florida because you know her husband um, was transferred here, and she you know reopens her business. And within a few months, um, is the subject of an undercover sting by the Florida Department of Health for the crime of dispensing nutritional advice without being a licensed dietitian or nutritionist.
0: Yeah. And and as someone that moved from New York to Florida at one point in my life, I, I remember dealing with the same issues, you know, it was like, okay, in New York, we're giving out nutrition advice nonstop. It's part of, I mean, it's the foundation of the pyramid in CrossFit, which by the way, Ari is a member of downtown strength and conditioning, uh, Jess Bergman's box who we frequented during Wattapalooza, amazing box, beautiful setup, uh, very clean Me and she was an amazing host she recently sent me a fantastic tank top by the way so so go check out downtown strength and conditioning in miami um but yeah i remember that and i remember having a lot of people like hey what are you going to do about this and that i mean and we could talk about some of the ways you can approach that because florida isn't the only the only state that is this strict with their rules correct
1: that's correct i mean the, florida is a particularly bad offender i know this is a national podcast but Florida is particularly bad um, in part because there are a lot of people who want to move to Florida or spend time here temporarily and so Florida has gone out of its way to make it harder to to um, to open a business or to to practice a certain occupation because they're trying to crack down on people who are coming in from other states um, and and taking business from from permanent residents
0: you know and that's really my first question. I do want to dive into the free speech uh, component of it but yeah, what is Florida or any of these states? What can you name a couple other states that are similar to Florida in their regulations?
1: Um not not offhand in, in in the way that that necessarily fits with what we're talking about here. I I mean there are a number of states um that don't regulate uh quite as as um, aggressively as the state of Florida does. New York being one. Little, yeah, everybody's a little bit different. I mean, New York regulates aggressively in other areas, but um you know on on this issue, Florida's as, as bad as, as, as it gets you know in america
0: yeah, and I'm, I know when I moved, I would google there's like a map, and you could see the color of the state and, and how tight they regulate it right so I, my question becomes, and you, you kind of alluded to it, but maybe you could dive deeper is you know what does Florida have to gain? I mean you live in Florida, you live near Miami, I lived in Naples, you walk down the street you pass you know, nine out of 10 people need nutrition advice, <laughs> you know? So here they are saying, Oh, Jess, you know, a lot, but you can't help those nine people, even though they're going to develop type two diabetes or chronic disease. What does Florida gain by limiting the, the, the people that can practice that?
1: Well, I would argue they gain nothing. Um,
0: but Fair enough. What do they think they gain?
1: Yeah, I mean, ultimately what this is about is protectionism and, and trying to stop people from doing something that's going to be in competition with, with what you're doing if you're already a licensed dietitian or nutritionist. Um, and I think, you know, the, the regulation itself illustrates that it's protectionist in nature, particularly because um, you're allowed to give advice as long as you don't accept money for it. So if the information that you're dispensing is so harmful, why would you be allowed to give it at all? The only question is whether or not you're able to earn a living doing it. If you're accepting money for it, then it can be banned by the state of Florida or, or Florida's law would ban it. But if you're doing That's, it for free, you can go ahead and do it as much as you want, no matter how harmful it is.
0: That'd be like running a nonprofit drug dealing uh, organization. Like, hey, I give out heroin. However, I don't charge. Right. So so it's OK. Florida saying we, we don't care that you're you know, doing this. But if you're collecting money, all of a sudden it's bad.
1: Right. And the way that you, that you illustrate that in the First Amendment context would, would be to say it's, it's as if the state says, well, you can give a book away, but if you want to charge somebody for this book, we're allowed to stop you from doing that, which I think anybody who has a basic understanding of the First Amendment would understand, you can't do that.
0: So what was your first exposure to this? I imagine you didn't go to you know, law school to defend Well, you probably went for free speech at some point, but not to defend, you know, nutrition advice. At what point did you hear about this? And then how quickly did you make that connection to the fact that this is a First Amendment violation?
1: Sure. Well, at IJ, one of the focuses of our of our free speech work is on something called occupational speech. Um, And that's, you know, like like what we're doing right now. Essentially, we're having a conversation and this is part of, I suspect, your livelihood. Um, now, imagine if the government came in and said, look, um, we're not regulating your speech, we're just you know, regulating your business and we're allowed to do that. Um, and what we do at IJ is we sort of try to um, illustrate the, the lack of a distinction, especially nowadays, between speaking and running a business because for a lot of people, speech is their business. Um, and so for, me, people, for people like Heather or for other people who wanna give nutrition or health advice, um, as long as all you're doing is communicating information um, that should be protected by the first amendment. And that's, that's just a uh, a way of thinking about the first amendment. That's a little bit um, um, unorthodox to some people. Um, but for us makes perfect sense. And, you know, this case is a perfect
0: example of that. And I'm obviously very biased. I'm very much on your side. I'm very much on the, the side that, Hey, you know, you should be doing it. It's something I did. My wife continues to work with a lot. Of, I mean, we're in a different state now, but so, but for, for someone to play devil's advocate, where do you draw the line? Like I could, you could ask me for advice and I can be like, you know what? Donuts are the best. Like if you have a type two diabetes, you know, donuts are the cure. Now, obviously you need to do your proper research. And if someone's telling you that that's kind of on you as well. But, but where is that line of like, Hey, just because you know, we're arguing for free speech, but there is some dumb speech I should call it as well
1: yeah and the First Amendment protects that too.
0: Um, the First Amendment
1: protects a lot of things that we think are unpopular, even things that are sort of morally repugnant. Um, but we don't we don't activate the government to put a stop to the communication of ideas that we don't like. Um, and that's part of just the the general uh, principle of living in a, a free society. Um, and you're you're free to to give and take advice um, that that you that you want to to uh, give or take and you know if you're paying somebody for nutritional advice um, certainly the the expectation there would be that you would do some degree of diligence um, and maybe think twice about somebody who tells you to eat only donuts um, but you know the, the funny thing about that is that you could totally give all of that advice good bad or otherwise as long as you get the government permission slip by way of an occupational license and so. You don't crack down on any of this speech from being out in the open. All you do is you uh you isolate who may say it. Um and that's really the problem with occupational licensing um in general.
0: Right. So I can go get my RD or whatever the credentials I needed. And at that point, I can say whatever I want about nutrition.
1: Right. And you know, in, in our case, one of the one of the things that came up was the government said, well, hey. What about all this? All these, you know, they relied in large part on a 30-year-old episode of the Oprah Winfrey Show. I'm not, I'm not joking, um, where there were all these quack diets um, and and odd sort of dietary practices that were being pushed by one hack or another. And in many of those instances, those people were either medical doctors or dentists or medical professionals who would still be able to communicate that same information, even in light of the state's, you know, prohibition on on speech without a license. So. Uh, I think it's important to know who were who were actually, you know, uh, saying can and can't speak and, and what we're telling them they can and cannot say.
0: So so going back to it, tell me how you were introduced to this. You mentioned Heather. Did she reach out to you? Did you, you know, stumble upon her on a Google search? How did you find out about her?
1: Well, the sad thing is this happens all over America. Um, we we weren't surprised, unfortunately, to hear from Heather. Uh, she did reach out to us, but we we also know that this this has happened um, in Florida and other states. Um, and uh, you know, one of the lawyers for the for the state of Florida said, you know, I don't know I don't know where where you find these people. Um, and my response is, you keep making them. Um, you know, Heather is 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 one of many people who's been cracked down. I'm sure there are people who are listening to this right now who. Um, are thinking, man? I, you know, I, I was told by the state that I couldn't have a health coaching business because of, um, you know, a restriction like the one that was in place in the state of Florida.
0: Yeah, it was huge. I mean, for for years when I was working seminars as well in Florida, it would come up almost every weekend. Um, and 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 I want to talk about a what's happening with it, and then b some ways maybe from from your advice that that people can, can, either continue to or go back to giving advice. So. Sure. So let, let's tell Heather's story a little bit. You said she moved. Tell me, you know, you say undercover, like is somebody dressed up in a cheesy 70s garb and, uh, you know, walking around with a fake mustache and asking for nutrition advice or how well, how is that sting going down?
1: Maybe for our like our drunk history reenactment of, of this case. We'll, we'll <laughs> so we can do a drunk,
0: a drunk history version of this.
1: Yeah, we'll do it up that way. That's how we'll dress like the, the evil goon bureaucrat. But um no, I mean it was it was it was pretty straightforward. She just got an email from a uh, an enforcement agent at the uh, Florida Department of Health, posing as a would-be client, and um, this person, uh, you know, Pat Smith, uh, said, I, "I you know I've got some questions and and can you help me out?" And uh, Heather responded, um, asking for a little bit more information, but that alone was sort of enough to put her on the state's radar. And a short time after that, she got a cease and desist letter from the Florida Department of Health. She was ordered to pay a pretty, pretty severe fine, a few hundred bucks um, and, you know, sign away her right to continue to provide um, dietary information for money. Um, And that was a, that was a huge blow to her. She had just moved here from California. She was getting her business up and running. And and soon enough, uh, she was told that she had to shut it down.
0: Is that entrapment?
1: Um, Not under the legal definition of it.
0: um, I'm just throwing that out there. I don't don't remember what that means. It just sounded like, hey, they set her up. You know, it's a sting, which I suppose it is, but it sounds like what I remember entrapment to be from 11th grade history.
1: Well, well, the fact that you're saying that it feels like entrapment means that you're understanding this perfectly um this certainly wasn't a person you think of typical criminal investigations person does bad thing police find person who did bad thing um they don't usually go around looking for people who are who are uh, who haven't done the bad thing yet um but that's that's what happened to heather um it's it's probably not legally entrapment this is how undercover investigations tend to work sort of across the board um uh, you know it's not the government didn't plant the seed in Heather's uh, head to do this, um, so that, that alone sort of gets them out of this sort of entrapment uh, feeling area that, that, we, that we immediately found ourselves in.
0: I I know this isn't the right mentality because you hear people say it about like traffic tickets and whatnot, but don't they have more important things to be going after? Absolutely,
1: um, and we know that because nobody has ever been hurt. By unlicensed dietary advice
0: yeah they weren't like uh he he wound up ballooning up to 700 pounds going on that show you know my 700 pound life and dying right and
1: you know we know we know for example that uh, you know there are plenty of states that don't license this and if this were such a an important area to regulate then you would think that people in those states where diet speech is unlicensed you would think that those states would you know have a, a rash of, of diet speech related injuries and illnesses. And they don't. In fact, some of those states are are, are are more healthy
0: than Florida. Where where is the line for this? So in other words, Heather moves to Florida. If she gets, you know, a lot of these people that are doing this, myself included at the time, it's virtual. So I may be living in Florida, but I've clients in other countries, and other states. Is it, hey, you can't help someone else in Florida? Is it face to face? Is it uh, via the internet, where do the where are the lines drawn?
1: It's certainly face to face, and it probably also applies if you're in Florida and you're providing services virtually to somebody out of state. Um, where I think it's a bit of a gray area is whether you're outside the state and your client is in Florida. Um, but hopefully, we're we're getting to a point where all of this will be um, knocked down because of our our First Amendment lawsuit on on the, on this
0: topic. So, so- how long has this been ongoing when did you first lay eyes on this and start working on it
1: we started working on this case
0: about 3 years ago um, so we're talking i mean pre-pandemic pre-a lot of oh, things, yeah. 2017
1: oh yeah the wheels of justice move quite slowly especially when you start getting up into appellate uh, litigation what so is that actually-
0: for 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 a non-JD, what does that mean?
1: I, I was about to clarify. It basically refers, it's a, fa- it's a fancy word people like me use to sound important, but it just means when you're
0: appealing a decision. As my friend Michael uh, Scott likes to say, pretend like you're explaining it to a five-year-old. <laughs>
1: okay. Well, I'm sure your listeners will, will resent that, but. Uh, <laughs> I'm the I smartest think-
0: one, believe it or, no, <laughs>
1: believe it or not. <laughs> it, it, it basically means that you're appealing a decision, which is, you know, in our case, uh, you know, worth mentioning, because believe it or not, we actually lost the case um, at the initial trial court level. Um, the, the court basically held that um, the the speech that Heather was engaged in um, was not protected by the First Amendment. Um, and therefore, uh, you know, we didn't have a, much of an argument to, to make. Um, we took that up on appeal, and the court heard oral argument on it, um, about a month ago, um, in fact, I think exactly a month ago, and we're awaiting a decision on that on that argument. Now um, we've got our fingers crossed that it will go well.
0: So we're still awaiting a decision. I know we were talking about a few other things that the governor's doing. Probably people recognize the governor now more so from the pandemic stuff. But um, I, I, you know, you mentioned it wasn't protected for for again a five year old. What's protected? You know, where you, you when you're a kid, you're like freedom of speech, I can say whatever the F I want, right? So what is and what isn't typically protected under that First Amendment?
1: Sure, so most people understand the First Amendment protects freedom of speech and you, you, the easiest thing to think of is if I wanna put a sign in my front yard that says like vote for Donald Trump or don't vote for Donald Trump or any other sort of political message. Who's that, who's, the,
0: who's that? <laughs> <laughs>
1: these, These are the, these are the things that people typically think of as, as quote unquote, like core first amendment speech. Like I can say that I don't like the government and you can't come after me. Um, but the first amendment encompasses so much more. Um, and you know, in, in some, what it encompasses is the idea to communicate ideas and beliefs. And for me to tell you, you know, For example, I don't, I don't think you should eat that, or maybe you should eat this, or, or any one of a million different things that, that we all take for granted because we freely communicate day in, day out, without any um, consequence, usually, from the government, at least. Um, and so that's when I say, when we talk about the First Amendment, we're talking about the ability to uh, communicate ideas. Um, and as long as you're communicating an idea, the government, if they want to stop you from doing that, they've got to have a really, really, really good reason. Um, and the possibility that you might give somebody bad advice is not a good reason under the First Amendment to stop somebody from speaking about something.
0: So I recently watched Hamilton on Disney, so I'm basically a history expert at this point. Um, so it sounds to me like when they were writing, um, was was that in the Declaration of Independence or the Bill of Rights? What, the First Amendment? Yeah is in the Bill of Rights. Okay. So I see, I'm kind of a, So it sounds like from hearing it back in, you know, 1776 or whatever year they did the Bill of Rights, it was to protect like the ability to talk about religion and politics and, you know, and, and not feel the, the the risk of being arrested for speaking against the president. Was that,
1: right. is that a good? Yeah, I, you're, I mean,
0: you're my no, that your, no, it makes
1: perfect. This is this is fine. Your Hamilton reference is fitting, because a lot of what's in the Bill of Rights is a reflection of the the um, the loss of freedom um, or the the impositions on freedom that colonists experienced under the king. So the Bill of Rights and the Constitution was actually ratified in 1791, not 1776. Communist I knew it was conception. a different
0: year, and I was surprised <laughs> when I saw it. To be honest. You know, when you're when you don't pay attention to history, just like everything was seventeen seventy-six, you're yeah, like, wait, yeah. the first president wasn't until the eighties? Like the, all right.
1: The declaration of independence was seventeen seventy-six, and we had initial founding documents called the Articles of Confederation that That's predated the right. Constitution, but we're really far afield from CrossFit now. Uh, where were
0: you in nineteen ninety-four when I was failing, you know, tenth grade
1: <laughs> But um you know, the, the, the First Amendment protects a lot of freedoms. It's it's a it's all encompassing, protecting basically your freedom of conscience. It protects your your right to, to practice your religion or to not have a religion if you choose, um, the right to say what you want, um, and the right to criticize the government and communicate other ideas that might or might not be popular. It's 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 one of our you know most off cited. Um, American freedoms, and it's one of the uh, it's one of the things that courts take most seriously um, when you bring challenges, constitutional challenges in court to to vindicate the rights. Are
0: there avenues of the First Amendment, the freedom of speech, that are uh, not allowed that you stand by? Like, are there things that the government can say, hey, despite the First Amendment, you do not have the right to do X, Y, or Z? That again, a history lesson.
1: Sure. I understand the question. So you, you might have heard the example of like, you can't yell fire in a crowded theater.
0: Um, I have heard that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so that that's, that's going to
0: put people at risk. They're exactly. going to start screaming, if, if, acting and, crazy.
1: That that example of fire in a crowded theater is sort of overused because people like to say, well, you can't say that because that's the equivalent of yelling fire in a crowded theater. Um, and most of the time when you hear people say that, um, that's them outing themselves as not knowing what they're talking about. Uh, but, um, the idea behind it is the rare instance, maybe where you can tell someone you can't say that is when the result of the speech is likely to be like immediate, imminent, obvious chaos. Um, and the example of immediate, imminent, obvious chaos would be to yell fire in a crowded theater, which would of course result in, in, in mayhem. Um, anything short of that? Um you generally have the right to say, um, and that's that's a freedom that I think we all should enjoy and often take for granted until it's you who wants to say something and somebody else is wagging their finger in your face saying you can't say that.
0: Yeah, very different than saying, hey, we recommend eating 40, 30, 30. You know, that's not right. quite as, as consistent with yelling fire. Sorry if you hear my dog snoring <laughs> on my lap over there. That's, that's not my stomach, it's, he's, that's what he's I thought fast it asleep, he's fast asleep. All <laughs> exactly. this nutrition talk is making me happy. Yes, it's,
1: it's quite comforting to, to know that that's actually a dog story. And
0: <laughs> so, you know, and, and as I'm saying that, I'm like, you know, the people that are getting this letter are most likely people, whether or not we all have the same nutritional beliefs, whether it's macros or zone or paleo or keto, are probably doing something for the right reason. Like they're trying to help someone, you know? So there's the point is, I don't think anybody got the letter that's purposely trying to sabotage someone's health.
1: Of course not. Um, Most people don't go into, into business uh, or, or, or start up a, you know, a new venture with the intention of, of scamming or, or hurting people. And there are laws in place for those who do that. Um, Heather was not one of those people and, and nor, were any of the people who were in good faith providing nutritional information, um, to people who sought them out. Um, so there's, there's this very obvious sort of, you know, selection process where I'm an adult and you're an adult and we've decided to sit down and have this conversation. Um, you're not paying me, but even if you were, or I were paying you, um, that would be the decision that we agreed to, you know, that we, that we reached together. And, and that's kind of the idea behind the free exchange of ideas is we can, we can talk about things. You can, you know, you can charge people money uh, to, to listen to what you have to say, which is what happens when you're an expert, people pay you to know to find out what you think about things. Um, and it's no different for, for uh, health coaching and diet advice.
0: How many people would you say have gotten this cease and desist letter?
1: I don't know if the state actually keeps data on this, and I don't have I don't have the the precise answer, but I, I it has to be in Florida alone in the hundreds, um, in the just hundreds. based on the number of that's 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 an educated guess just based on the number of phone calls um, that I have fielded just myself, um, and I'm only one person in a much larger organization.
0: So so Heather gets this letter, she gets a fine. What were the next steps? She reaches out to you. You said you took it to court at, at first. What you were trying to do was uh, rejected. Is that the right word? Because then right. you went to the appellate court later on.
1: That's right. We, we said Heather has a right under the First Amendment to speak about health coaching and nutrition with her clients, and the court rejected the idea that the First Amendment protects this type of of, of speech. Um, and you know that basically ends the case right there at the trial court level. Um, we appealed that decision and we said, yes, this is speech. It is protected by the First Amendment. Um, and, and given that protection, the government can't censor Heather um, without a really, really good justification. It's called, you know, in legal terms, what's known as strict scrutiny. Um, the courts are going to look really, really closely at the regulation to see if it's absolutely necessary, if it's doing exactly what it sets out to do. That that objective is legitimate, and that it couldn't do that, it couldn't accomplish that goal through any less restrictive means. Um, And if we're right, and I believe we are, that this is speech protected by the First Amendment, then it's almost certainly um, going to be struck down as unconstitutional.
0: So it it gets rejected. At how long ago was that? You said you found out about this in 2017. How long did it take for you to, you know, bring Heather on, or Heather bring you on, I should say, and then go to court? And get this rejection letter. That was,
1: I mean, it's it's a it's not rejection letter would be a, a polite way of, of framing it. What it was was a was a judicial decision that says you lose. Um, but that was that was about a year and a half ago. Um, we took it to the you know the this is in federal court. There are three levels of federal courts in, in the U.S. You have the trial court, the appeals court, and then the United States Supreme Court above that. Um, so we took an appeal from the the lower court to the intermediate appeals court. Um, an argument on that was heard about a month ago. Um, and if, if we're not successful there, we will, although, you know, the chances of of the U S Supreme court granting review in a case are always very slim, but if we're, if we're not successful at the intermediate appellate court, we will petition the U S Supreme court for review.
0: So it's it's at this point, kind of out of your hands up in the air, but you were saying earlier some progress had been made
1: that's right so everything that we've talked about so far has been you know about you know the judicial remedy the the legal court case suing the government and saying you've infringed on my right but at the same time there's a whole other branch of government the legislative branch of government which is trying to do its own fix um and they changed the very statute that we argued was unconstitutional um, to make it a little bit more welcoming for people who want to give diet and nutrition advice. Um, It still doesn't provide for all of the relief that that a judicial victory would and and will provide for, but it does allow people to give basic advice to otherwise healthy people um, about diet, nutrition, and wellness, and things along those lines. And that took effect already. That, as of July 1st, is now the law of the land in Florida. So that opens, Many doors, not all the doors, but many doors for people who want to do this.
0: So if someone's listening and they happen to live in Florida, they knew about all this and they're saying, okay, what can I now do legally, assuming, you know, your case doesn't get, uh, the appeal doesn't go through, what can they do right now before that happens?
1: So right now you're pretty much able to talk about health and wellness and nutrition with otherwise healthy people. Um, If you're dealing with somebody who's being treated for a medical condition, um, the statute doesn't allow you to provide that same health, wellness type of information to those people, um, unless all you're doing is helping them lose weight. You're still allowed to help someone who's being treated for a medical condition if all you're doing is helping them lose weight. But, for example, if somebody comes to you and says, I have hypertension, my doctor told me I need to eat a low-salt diet, can you help me out with that? under the statute as currently
0: written you would not be able to provide services to that person right which is still very gray because anyone that's probably getting that needs this medical attention also by losing weight would become healthier right
1: so it's, um, it's still I, a
0: it's still a little bit gray there
1: for them you it's, could it's,
0: you could make that argument but hey i was still only helping them lose weight just so happened to cure their type 2 diabetes right
1: right it's it's very it's I mean, what this really does is it underscores kind of the, the, the silliness in trying to parse what you can say and why. Um, and, you know, that's sort of the compromise that we have right now. It certainly allows people um, to, to say, okay, if you want to, you know, uh, lose a little bit of weight, here are some things you can do. Um, and that, I think, addresses a lot of, you know, what, what people reach out to health coaches for, uh, which is to lose weight. Um, but certainly not all of them, and a lot of health coaches don't deal necessarily in helping people with weight loss goals so much as overall health and wellness, um, and a lot of those people who are most in need of health and wellness advice are, are folks who are currently being treated for medical conditions, and so there's still a, a large universe of people who would use the services of a health coach um, but, but are not able to because some of those people are not licensed dietitians, and nutritionists.
0: So are you, would you expect to see less of those letters going out right now?
1: Yes, I, I hope so. I mean, certainly the the, the the window of acceptable advice has opened a little bit. Um, and it's not all the way open, but, but people are able to provide. I mean, before you couldn't say anything to anybody in exchange for money um, if you were talking about diet and nutrition. And now there are, there are plenty of instances in which you are able to provide that information. So. It's definitely not as bad as it was, uh, but hopefully it'll get even better um, if, if our legal challenge is successful and really opens things up entirely.
0: When do you expect to have a, an answer on that?
1: It's always tough to, to gauge when a court is gonna rule, but I, I like to think we'll get something in the next couple of months here, but things, things do move slowly, particularly now, it's really hard to, 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 to guess uh, when you'll get a decision, but it usually takes them a few months.
0: If, if you're successful, do you intend on taking that to other states that are under the same laws? Well,
1: if we're successful, it'll have, we're in the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals, which covers uh, Florida, Alabama, and Mississippi, um, and Georgia. So actually, it might not be Mississippi. Um, but, uh, although I think it does. Anyway, uh, parts of the Southeast. Um, and so it'll certainly have an impact um, in, in much of the Southeastern United States. Um, and, and, and likely beyond because it'll, it'll sort of, uh, be an indicator to other states, hey, a federal court, a federal appellate court, appeals court, just reversed or struck down, um, you know, a licensing law like the one that we have on our books here. That probably means it's going to be unconstitutional elsewhere too. Um, certainly we won't know for sure unless the U.S. Supreme Court rules, and then that obviously has, has broader impacts across the entire country. Um, but ha- getting an intermediate appellate court victory on this issue would be monumental.
0: And in the meantime, is Heather just kind of hanging tight? Like she has to just sit there and, and, and wait for this? Or now that this other law or change, she can at least start working with healthy people?
1: Right. Well, that's exactly right. She, along with, with every other person who wants to provide uh, you know, wellness or nutrition counseling in Florida, can do that um, subject to the limitations currently in the new statute. Um, but you know, again, if we're successful in our legal challenge, um, Heather will be able to talk about even more things than just weight loss, for example. Um, and that'll be true for everybody else who wants to provide some more advice. This won't apply to just Heather. This will be everybody.
0: So one of the arguments I've heard to this over the years is, and I have friends that are RDs, um, and, and some other credentials, honestly, I don't remember the letters, but they would always say things like, well, I go to school for this. You shouldn't be able to just do it. What, you, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, I, you know, I think what we hope is that anybody who's giving any sort of nutritional advice would be educated. Um, and the idea is that the quality of advice they provide will be good. Um, there are a lot of different ways to be educated. One of them is to go to school, um, which Heather did. And many people who do um, things like what Heather did uh, do, uh, which is a very inartful way of saying many of the folks who do this also go to school. Um, and many of them are very, very well read. Um, so I think the goal should be making sure that people are providing information that's, um, that's not harmful. Um, and to the extent you're not doing anything that's harmful, I think we should all, you know, understand as a society that that's, that's okay. Um, people can provide information to other people. Um, your information might be better information than mine. Maybe that's because you went to school, or maybe that's because you're very, very well read and you, you know this top to bottom because you've devoted your life to understanding it. Um, you know, a lot of people who went to school provide rotten advice, um, but they have the credential. And so I think the understanding is that there's not necessarily a very big correlation between being credentialed and being good. Um, and, you know, what we want are, are, is, a, is a broad universe of smart, well-educated people or well-informed people providing information and i think the market will tend to sort out people who, who aren't very good
0: and with that being said though where do you draw the line right so you, same for an attorney same for a doctor where where do we draw the line and where do we start to decide hey you no, know, for these careers you must have the you know degree from a medical school or from a you know a law school etc
1: sure uh you know, there are a lot of ways to, to regulate without requiring a license. Um, uh, you know, an auto mechanic is an ASC certified auto mechanic. You, anytime you go get your car fixed, you want to see that ASC certification hanging up in the garage. That's not a government issued license. That's a private certification um, that, that most mechanics um, strive to get because it, it, it demonstrates a level of competency and mastery that you know that your customers look for. Um, So when it comes to drawing lines about, you know, acceptable speech, I'm hesitant to to really say that we ought to draw one. Um, But I think what we can do is we can we can be a lot smarter and more deliberate about um, how we credential people and um, how we create barriers to entry. And one of the things that I think people should always be thinking about doing, especially once there's a a community like there is with CrossFit um, or, or other types of organizations is you can internally devise a certification system. Um, you know, I, think, I think this is how it works with CrossFit coaches. Um, I'm not sure if I'm, if I'm incorrect here, you can tell me if I am, but I don't know if you need to be a state licensed personal trainer um, in order to be a CrossFit coach. Um, now, I, I think that a private certification on the other hand does make sense. This works for yoga instructors, Um, It works for, for other people who might want to give advice and it's up to the industry itself if it wants to devise a private certification. But if what you're asking me is, you know, when should the government tell people you can't say that? um, My answer to you is going to be probably almost never.
0: Yeah. And and I think the big difference there as well is it's, it's like you're saying it's, it's speech. A doctor can prescribe drugs, right? But, 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 you know, if you, if you just want advice, like, Hey, I heard you had the same rash that I had. What did you do? I can ask you about it, yeah. but if I want to go get, you know, cortisone cream for it or, or some sort of prescription, I better go see a doctor.
1: That's right, I and mean, when we're talking about licensing, you know, I think the, the, the proper thing to do is to just weigh the, the possible harm of a license not existing. With health coaching, we know there's almost no harm by not requiring a license to do it, because all of the states where a license isn't required aren't being ravaged by bad health and nutrition advice. On the other hand, you might talk about other professions where we typically know about licenses, whether it's doctors or something else, where you know the you weigh the harm there of, of not having something in place. Maybe that's a little bit different.
0: Yeah, I know to be a barber you have to have a license, but the best fade I ever ever got was from my buddy Pee-wee in college. Right. Barbering, like any- is,
1: a, barbering is a perfect example of occupational licensing gone completely off the rails um so don't even get me started on barbering yeah you need about 1200 hours of education in some states uh to cut another person's hair where everybody universally agrees that the single worst thing that a barber can do is give you a bad haircut and yet you need more education than an EMT in most states
0: yeah all right so so now that you're kind of in the midst of this it seems like it's out of your hands what do you do just sit back you wait you're working on some other cases uh i am working on other cases
1: um some that are yet to be filed, so I can't talk about them. But yeah, I mean, this is what we've touched on is kind of the, uh, the agony of being a lawyer. You, you, you work your absolute very hardest. You produce a stack of paper, you hand it to, to a few people in black robes, and then you sit and wait and that they like what you had to say. Where did the black robes come from? Uh, I'm sure that, the, I mean, the, the origin is Old England and the powdered wigs and everything. And so uh, we've, we've kind of um, deviated from some of those traditions uh, a little bit. but um, you know, we still we still adhere to to others of them.
0: Yeah, well, I they mean, at some point, robe,
1: but they can't make you wear socks. So, is that true? <laughs> that is that is true, and I do know at least one judge who uh, would wear flip flops on the bench.
0: Well, at some point, somebody had to say like, "Hey, enough with these wigs!" Like, yeah. I get it. Washington yeah. used to wear it, but come on, we're in the 1800s <laughs> now. We That's need right. to <laughs> whatever it was. So, any, anything else to add for the for those listening, whether it's they live in Florida, they live in you know the, the the United States, or even outside of it, about this.
1: Yeah, I think I think the one thing to take away from this, um, other than just what you what you're now able to do in Florida that maybe you couldn't do before, um, is to to remember that the First Amendment protects a whole slew of things, um, and it also protects the ability to communicate information in exchange for money. Um, there are a lot of people. You know, our, our economy is transitioning. A lot of people now basically speak for a living. Whether you're a blogger. Uh, you host a podcast and sell ad space, your, your voice can be your livelihood. Um, and for that reason um, it's entitled to, uh, to protection under the first amendment. And uh, that's, that's one of the things that IJ is working on hardest.
0: Love it. And if you do happen to get one of those letters, call me, reach reach. <laughs> I was going to say reach out to Ari at org, and, and you can right. at least point you in the right direction. If not, uh, take your case to court. But like you said, I think we're about to see a whole lot less of those letters going out. I hope so. And, and I hope, you know, in the near future, like you mentioned within the next couple months, what would it, what would it be called? You get a win, you get a W what happens?
1: It would be, it would, it would definitely be a win. It would be a W. It would be a, it would be a victory for free speech nationwide.
0: You know, given (laughs) this, the circumstances of the United States right now, it seems like pretty low it's like hey free speech nutrition you know when there's so much going on but this is super important and yeah. you know especially for the demographic listening to this show you know if if it hasn't impacted you consider yourself lucky because when i was living in florida i knew dozens of people you know dozens that have gotten it um and and, and it really impact i mean like you said for heather you know probably an incredible amount of stress you know She moved because her husband gets, you know, first of all, it's like, hey, your husband's protecting our country. And now all of a sudden you can't do your job to, you know, help with your family while your husband's potentially deployed, you know, with guns fighting other people. And, um, you know, all she's trying to do is make people healthier.
1: Yeah. I mean, imagine getting a letter one day that says you can't earn a living. Um, that's pretty stressful. It's pretty agonizing. And it's, it's the sort of thing that uh, government shouldn't be able to do um, on a whim. And that's really what we're fighting for is to make sure that if you're going to tell somebody that they can't speak or that they can't run a business, that you've got a really good reason for doing it.
0: Well, I appreciate your time, Ari. That was super insightful. I learned a little bit. Um, I could definitely pass the uh, 10th grade regents uh, <laughs> in New York City right now, <laughs> but um that that was great, and and like I said, you know, big shout out to you. Is there, other than checking out the website? Is there any other way you can be found out there if you want to be found?
1: Um, I, the website is is the primary way that you would want to check out IJ. We're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, we're on everything. Um, but uh, you know, look us up, Institute for Justice, and uh, you'll be able to track uh, all of our good deeds um, through through your favorite channel.
0: And, and shout out to our mutual friend Jess for introducing us. That, that that was great. Um, I'm going to rock my tank top later today when I hit my workout. And, you know, I'm sure how, – how are you handling – are you able to work out right now? Is the box open?
1: Uh, yeah. So the, the city of Miami, um, and not not for lack of threats from Jess and, and other CrossFit owners, um, the city of Miami – or not, I, sh- I should say, as a result of some threats from, from Jess and other CrossFit owners, um, is allowing gyms to stay open. Um, with masks on. And, uh, you know, that's, that's the compromise that, that they were able to reach. Uh, you know, nobody wants to deal with another closure right now. Um, so I, I may be seeing her later today. I, Lord knows my CrossFit attendance is not what it ought to be in general, but uh, uh, hopefully I'll pay her a visit soon.
0: Well, tell, tell her I said hi and thanks for the introduction. And it was really great chatting with you. You know, keep up the, the amazing work defending the people that uh, deserve to be defended. So thank you so much. Of course. Thank you for having me. Thanks again for listening to best hour of their day. If you haven't already do us a favor, head over to the Apple podcast app and leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, feedback for either Fern or myself, hit us up best hour of their day at gmail.com or send us a DM over on Instagram at Best Hour of Their Day. Once again, we couldn't do this without the amazing community, and you are a part of it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting Best Hour of Their Day.